The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. So tonight we got them, Goldie the Sulk and J.C. And it starts right now. Oh, welcome back to another episode of A Typical Disgusting Display, a podcast for writers by writers who hate writing. Uh, had a little trouble getting started today. <laughs> a little little confusion this morning. Goldie, uh, you want to shed a little light on your uh, last sure. 24 hours? Yeah. First of all, Alex Sulkin. Oh. Yes. Fuck you. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. God oh, damn it. Here's why. <laughs> Fuck you, because you're my boss. <laughs> I'm saying it for the record. And you gave me a day off on Monday. Let me explain <laughs> yeah, why well, this yeah, is why a is bad, bad thing. Why? Let me explain. Okay. Allow me to explain. So on Friday, you declared we're very far ahead. And you say, and you make a big show of this. <laughs> you, you're, you're basically lying down on laurels like Caesar. <laughs> yep. And, and, and I, I believe you did this gesture where you showed us the back of your palms. I'm sorry, the back <laughs> of your hands and sort of made a brushing motion. And you said, you know what? Here, Everyone yeah. can have Monday off. <laughs> and the second you said that, I said to myself, I do not have a day off. I just don't know how yet. Oh, no. <laughs> There's no such thing in my life no days with off. two kids as a day off. Oh, so it's like, right. let's see how this is going to unfold, <laughs> how it's worse than working. Because we all Monday. know it's going to happen. We just don't know how yet. Yeah. So I don't know. An hour later, my wife gets a call. She's very happy. And she says, oh, yeah. I booked a commercial. Yes, yes. Go she's an actress, meaning she booked a commercial. So she's going to be in a commercial. Oh, that's great. So this commercial can tape any time, right? It can film <laughs> any from Tuesday, from the second Tuesday. she from the second she books it, it can film to when the universe collapses. <laughs> yeah. in, in that total gap of time. Yeah. There's only one day it won't work for me. Right. <laughs> right. And that's Monday. Monday. So it's Monday, which means I have to do everything with the kids on that right. day. The pickoffs, yeah. the drop-offs, the dog. Although I may not because maybe maybe it 
starts shooting at noon, right? Like TV production, <laughs> they, they don't always start at 9 a.m. But then she gets her call time, 6.30 a.m. Oh, oh, my God. So not wow. only does that mean, like, I have to do everything, but it means she's got to be up at 5. And when she gets up, you know, we've been married 15 years. We still share a bed. Yeah. Not Congratulations. That That's unusual. <laughs> yeah. But it means I'm going to be up. All right. But you go, okay, so I can wrap my ra- mind around this. It'll be okay. Saturday morning, we wake up. My younger kid is like, my stomach hurts. Oh, boy. Oh, no. And she just can't do anything. She feels really bad. So we go, well, we got to get a doctor. So I, I don't know if you've tried to get a doctor for a kid on Saturday, but that's like saying, like, I want to touch the ball in Times Square on New Year's <laughs> Eve. <laughs> it's impossible. Oh, wait. <laughs> first joke of the day. First joke of the day. <laughs> so guy, This guy wants to touch balls. We call around. We, we, we somehow get a, a pediatrician who agrees to see us, and they say, you have to be there in 15 minutes or we're closing. I live 20 minutes away. Oh, boy. I say, okay. <laughs> I Italian job it there. <laughs> I don't stop. Day. I don't stop for a light. I don't stop for tra- I don't stop for anything. I just get there. I pull up. We get there because they're closing. Remember, I have yeah. to get there right then. So right. I drive very dangerously. I get there. I run in with one second left on the clock. <laughs> Wait an hour and a half. So oh, I didn't have to be there. Did really I? Oh, did I really? Yeah. So anyway, it it turns out they say, oh, my my little kid, she's constipated. She needs uh, to take Miralax, but that's fine. She hasn't vomited or anything. No, no, no. So we say, no, she hasn't been sick. So we get out of there, get home. She vomits. So now she's super sick. So it's like she's she's not going to school Monday. So now not only am I taking care of, now there's a sick kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then... Yesterday, uh, I basically like get my older kid to school with the younger kid, have the younger kid at home. She suddenly feels better. She's like, I think I can go to school. So I run her to school, the lunch, all that stuff. I get, but she doesn't want to go to the after school. So I got to pick her up at 2 30. So I pick her up at 2 30. I, in between this, there's dog stuff to do. I pick up my other kid at four. There's two other kids I got to pick up yeah. and drive home. I got to walk the dog, I got to make them dinner. You know, and then my wife strolls through the door at, I don't know, like eight, you know, <laughs> stroll, stroll. She's had a day, you know, and, and by the way, so she's been gone from 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. Commercials are 30 seconds long. <laughs> like we've shot shows, entire half hour sitcoms in three hours on a set. This isn't, yeah. they're in a studio. So this is yeah. to get 30 seconds. She's been gone. I don't know, 16. I'm not good at, I'm not good with math. <laughs> How did it go? She's like, oh, you know, it went really well, all this stuff. So that's good. Because cool. if she, if, if I came in and she started bitching about the work day, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm jumping out a window, even though my house is, has <laughs> no elevation. Yeah. I'm just jumping out the window. Wait, I, I have to, I have to cut in with one thing at this moment yeah. because I've, I've been, I've learned this lesson well. Um, thank you, Tall. Thank you. For all the stuff that Goldie just said that he did in that day, which sounds like a nightmare, thank you for doing that every day. Uh, oh. well, I'm not going to belabor this. I've said it on past podcasts, but I'm not like you. 
I don't cheat. I don't have help. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're cheating. So no, that's fine. Because, it's like because, I won the Tour de France. Well, uh, you know, with the steroids and everything. Congratulations. <laughs> I mean, you still had to ride the bike. I get it. Yeah. Name any other cyclist besides Lance Armstrong. <laughs> uh, Floyd Landis, who also was on steroids. Oh. Miguel <laughs> Indurain. Oh, oh wow, yes. Wow. Hey, Lance in the sun, Miguel Indurain. Fausto Copy. Oh. Wow. Pale imitation. Eddie Merckx. Uh, okay. Ooh. So back on track. So my wife comes home. She's had a good day. Thank God. Because if it was bad. And she says, but, but there is one, one thing I have to tell you. I go, uh, uh what? <laughs> but I said it like more positive now. Like, what, what is it? Uh, we have to shoot tomorrow too. Oh. So now this, this 30 second shoot is going into a second day. It's the apocalypse now of commercials. <laughs> they've, they've come under the sway of a mad director and, the, and they're slogging through the jungle. What's the commercial for? Yeah. Can't say non-disclosure. What, what do you mean you can't say? National I cannot say. Why? Wow, that's cool. I don't know. She signed a non-disclosure agreement, that's so it's cool. probably something good. Is it? Do you know if it's a national commercial? Can you say? I that? would assume it's a national commercial if there's a non-disclosure. Wait, great. did she tell you what it was? No. <laughs> wow. The second I heard there was an NDA, I said, "Don't tell me." <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> As we both know. I, if there's torture, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> yeah, there's no right. torture. I we're went gonna, over this last We're going to pull, pull out a fingernail. You don't can't bother. give me information because yeah. I'll rat it out. So, <laughs> so they're, they're going into a second day of shooting. And, of course, is the call time noon? No, it's earlier. It's <laughs> 6 a.m. somehow. Like, we've got to uh, get a jump on this 30 oh, seconds. They're probably shooting outside. They're not. I guess. They're not. <laughs> they're not. So anyway, so I, but I've done this day before. I did it today. Yes. So I, I can do it again. So yes. I'm lying in my fitful sleep this morning. My wife gets up. I hear, I hear the door bang open. My car is a flat. Oh, that's. Uh, so now we're down to what? So of course I'm taking care of that. That means. <laughs> yeah. But so I've got to get. Roadside assistance. I ha- I don't have a car. I've got to get both my kids to school. In between this, I have to get the dog walked, and we have the podcast this morning. Oh my god! Uh, so I, I call for the tow truck. I get an Uber, and then in the Uber, I'm trying to make plans for this rental car, but I can't get the rental car before the tow truck comes. So anyway, I navigate all this. I drop my kid off with the Uber. The tow truck comes as I finish walking my dog. And then I have to ride my bike to the rental car place to pick up the rental car, which I do. And guess what happens as I do that? It starts raining. So I'm biking in the rain. In the rain. I get the rental car. I just get a call from the car dealership. And they say it's not one tire. It's four tires. It's going to be $1,900. But I just want to say the only reason I'm dealing with any of this is because you gave me the day off. Because if you hadn't, I'd just be at fucking work. So fuck you, Alex Sulkin, and your bamboo-ravaged asshole. <laughs> oh, there's a clip for the best, though. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, jeez, I, I'm terribly oh sorry God. for your, your tragic day. It brings me no joy, despite the giggles and giant smile that I have yeah. on my face. Yeah, you know, to see a buddy struggling, there's really nothing worse. 
<laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh well, that's that's I, that's an amazing day. I, everything went wrong. Everything yeah. went wrong. Yeah. Well, Except we're not done Steph. yet. Yeah. No? I, because yeah. I'm I'm I really know that my kid is eighty percent gonna want to come home from school early. Oh, yes. that's the other shoe that hasn't dropped. Yet. Yeah. She's still, is she feeling better? She says she is, but then, you know, she's like, but yeah. my tummy still hurts a little. And then at the first sign of anything she doesn't want to do at school, she's going to say, like, Dad, come pick me up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice God. Well, you know, the, you, you you cleared the the lead story for that, which was well worth it. Um, but yes. another another big thing that's happened since our last podcast, and we t- I, I, I loved our last podcast, Goldie. I loved that topic yeah, of fixing the Oscars, and I heard a lot of uh, people responding about it, which was nice. Um, and if you want to send us an email about anything on the show, it's a typical disgusting display at gmail.com. We love reading your emails, so send us your thoughts. Yeah. Um, all right, so t- we're excited. Uh, a little later, we're going to be talking with Vanessa Ramos, very talented writer, creator, blockbuster, r- wrote on Superstore, Comedy Roasts, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. We're excited to talk to her. And next week, Goldie, we have your buddy Sean Clements, very funny guy. Tell us a oh, little, yeah. what, what give us his story on him. So Sean Clements... And his partner, Hayes Davenport, have a very popular podcast, way more popular than this one, called well, Hollywood hard. Handbook. Yeah. Hollywood Handbook. They've been doing it for years, and uh, Sean also is a really talented writer and performer. Yeah, good. We're excited for that. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. And something we're a little less excited for, we're going to jump into right now. Let's jump in to Johnny Jokes. Whoa, from a diarrhea boat, <laughs> here's Johnny. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, let's jump right in here. Uh, well, some sad news. Uh, actor Robert Blake. Passed away last week at the age of 89. He gone! Oh. Yeah. Boy, it's sad when they go so old. <laughs> <laughs> he murdered somebody. All right. Uh, at a recent press conference, maybe you heard this, at a recent press conference, Mexico's president said that Mexico is safer than the United States. Yeah. Uh, at least that's what I think he said. It was hard to hear him through the trunk. Oh, <laughs> being kidnapped in a car. All right. Uh, the U.S. Chess Federation 
is investigating allegations of sexual misconduct against a grand master. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he took the queen without her consent. <laughs> That's a good one. Thank you. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Now I'm started. Uh, Nabisco. Here's a silly story. Nabisco has built a doomsday vault in northern Canada to preserve Oreos in the event of an apocalypse. This is true. Uh, Of course, if we ever need to use it, we'll be double fucked. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Couple more. Uh, A new law in Germany will allow women to swim topless in public pools. Wow. Ich bin ein buying goggles. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. You, you've lost your mind. That's good. <laughs> and finally, a two-parter. A Florida man. This is true and absolutely disgusting. A Florida man has contracted syphilis and herpes after mistakenly snorting a line of dried sperm. Oh, Oh. Oh my God. Uh, Yeah, and what's worse, it's illegal for his nose to get an abortion. (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, we joke around a lot here, but we all wish Don Jr. a speedy recovery. Oh, there you found it. (laughs) I was going to say, initially the premise was better than the punch. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right, Johnny 2, take it away. All right, well, you did way too many. <laughs> As we've established, I don't know why you did that to yourself, but here we go. Here are mine. <clears throat> Last week, former NBA All-Star Sean Kemp was arrested in connection with a drive-by shooting. He also collected 15 drive-by rebounds. Ah, oh. Double double. <laughs> okay. A 5,000-mile blob of seaweed may soon <laughs> land off the Florida coast. But don't worry. Governor Ron DeSantis has a plan. He's going to trick it into going to Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> <laughs> Semi-topical. <laughs> and this week was the Academy Awards. And Brendan Fraser won an Oscar for portraying a 600-pound man in The Whale. And I thought this was nice. Fraser thanked food. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you mean Kevin McCarthy? (laughs) I did. But a Hollywood contingent was upset that actress Anne Heche, who recently passed after driving her car into a house, was left out of the Oscars in memoriam. But the Academy heard the concerns and promises it it will include her in next year's Bad Driverum. Oh. Driver room. <laughs> I bobbled. I, I ruined it by yep, bobbling yep. the verbiage. Yeah. And finally, according to a new study, when it comes to penis size, 25% of men are showers, while 25% are growers. Uh, the other 50% swear this has never happened before. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. So much fun, so much torture. It, it, it took a lot just to get to the starting line. <laughs> Back to zero. Oh, Johnny jokes, always yeah. so fun. What a fun part of our week. Well, here's a way more fun part of our week. We, Our guest is here, and we're incredibly excited. She is a very talented writer. She got started, we'll talk about that, but in the comedy roasts, in the trenches of the comedy roasts, she's worked on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, 
Superstore. She created her own show, Blockbuster. That yeah. was on Netflix. It still it is, is on Netflix. It still yeah. is. Yeah. And don't, don't do you don't have to give give me a quarter second, Goldie, for the mistake. <laughs> Just a quarter second. A no. grace a grace <laughs> note, as you guitarists say. Please welcome, if it hasn't been ruined, the lovely and talented Vanessa Ramos. Vanessa, Ramos. Thank you for being I said it right. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. Everyone oh, said it correctly. I don't like that I have to live up to Johnny jokes, especially when I don't know what these Johnny jokes are. Uh well but we that do... advertised me as more fun. like I'd rather have a like affable like Seth Myers, because then it's like, you know, he comes in, you set a sort of tone, and now I'm like, okay, if they were if you knocked it out of the park Johnny joke wise. Well, Trust me, we didn't. <laughs> Goldie, you should have jumped in there, Goldie. Where's your jump in there? We didn't. We did not knock it out of the park, Johnny jokes-wise. But I love that you picked up on affable. I never felt so bad for calling someone affable. And he was like, oh, there's that word again. <laughs> it was great. So, uh, Vanessa, according to my extensive research, you grew up in San Antonio, Texas. Is that... Uh, that's correct. Yeah. Okay, few. I'm one for one, Goldie. Paying <laughs> for the background check was worth it. <laughs> now, is that? I ask a lot of our guests this question: Is that as boring as it sounds to me? Honestly, I mean, I I can't. I'm not in your head, but probably. Um, <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, I know uh, there are some sports fans on here, but it was basically growing up. It's like the land of like the San Antonio Spurs and nothing else. And it's like once a year there's a rodeo and it's kind of cool to see like pigs race or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> and then it's like if, you know, other neighboring cities would come on field trips to go to the Alamo and then the McDonald's close to the Alamo. Oh, <laughs> you got you love having a McDonald's close to like a school destination. That's that's always sweet. We uh, just speaking of the Alamo, we just wrote a Family Guy gag that you rejected. Yeah, it was, it was you didn't even read it, did you? <laughs> He's like, I, yeah. I, I don't remember any. Oh yeah, yeah, it was people saying, "Don't worry, they'll remember something." Yeah, else. these soldiers. It was the last soldiers at the Alamo, and they were saying to each other. God, I hope no one remembers how badly we got our ass kicked here. And then the other guy's like, why would they? Why would you want to remember this? We just got horribly defeated. That's, that's funny. That's what I picture the Alamo as. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can't, it's hard to top uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Uh, the Alamo was uh, featured right. prominently in that. So, okay. So you grew up in San Antonio. And did you have like an inkling that from an early age that, hey, I'm kind of like a wise ass and I, I'm not sure that I'm I'm on this, the path that maybe my parents want for me? Or did oh. you kind of figure that out a little later? I think I figured it out later. I think first it was like, oh, I'm a weirdo. Like everyone's like out doing shit and I'm just like in the corner drawing dogs like way, with way <laughs> too much detail, like for much of my childhood. So you're drawing dog dicks. Uh, no, that was the part I was never good. I bought right. the art books from Michaels that like really show you how oh, to, you know, right. individualize the different dog dicks. But <laughs> like, like eyes and ears and sort of the lame stuff. Yeah. But yeah, no, I was just kind of a quiet kid and I went to Catholic private school and didn't have like a ton of friends. So I just like drew a lot and then watched, like I got super into just watching stand up. Yes. um, I have, uh, I was like, had still have ADD. And there was like a thing where I could 
read something and it was like Texas and that wasn't a thing that was diagnosed then. And I could read something three times and just it wouldn't retain. But if something made me laugh, I could remember the wording, the cadence, the pauses, like it just made sense to me. Oh, that's interesting because yes. I feel like I suffer from a version of that. That Does that have a name? Did you just say it? Um, I don't know what that exact thing oh. is. But it's like mine was later diagnosed as like you have ADD, but I think part of ADD is you can get obsessive over certain things. Like some things just don't mm-hmm. stick, but other things you really just wish yeah, doing something else. Like Goldie, zero. we have a version of this. What? How else could we explain Eddie Barzoon? Yeah, there's things <laughs> that knife their way into your brain. I mean, was there one stand-up in particular who you saw who it really spoke to you? Um, you know what? It's actually like how I kind of got into all this. It was uh, Greg Giraldo when I was in middle school. He, wow. um, my mom saw that I took like an interest in comedy and the only at the time, like the kind of comedy that came through San Antonio was like the Latino Laugh Festival. And it was just 15 dudes, mostly named Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Giraldo, who was, I think, kind of young and they were like doing him a favor. And he was the first person I saw that was Latino, but he wasn't it wasn't his entire identity as a comic. Like he just talked and did observational stuff. And I was like, oh, you can do that. And then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just watched everything he was on. And I watched a ton of, like, I was obsessed with like Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn. Yeah. And, cool. You know, the, when he was on, when Geraldo was on the roast, like I just remember, like those were the jokes I would go back and be able to like recite, you know, like his pauses of like you know carl carl like in the saget roast with like carl reiner and like jones shitty watches runs um and so yeah like for me like that was a big reason and it wasn't his backstory he was a harvard trained lawyer correct he was yeah he was i think like he passed the bar when all that he was like practicing as lawyer and then just started he's like i want to do stand-up and started getting up and people were like shit he's good that's amazing yeah and i I guess i never thought of that because I, i think goldie were a little spoiled sort of with Jewish comedians, Jewish stand-ups, there's a glut. And so you see the wide range, but I guess, yeah. But there's it, an interesting thing where the last thing I kind of want to hear about is a lot of Jewish stuff. I, I, I'm up for a little bit of it, yeah. but I, I, you know, the comedy, I, I don't know now, I don't follow stand-up as much, I don't go to clubs, but when we were coming up in the 90s, it was very segmented, like every night it would be like, Latino night one night. And the idea was that like you would only want to hear jokes about yourself by people who are like yourself, which <laughs> right. I didn't subscribe to as a comedy fan, but I guess that's what gets people in. Do you find that you re- responded to him because he was like you or because he was like you, but then didn't talk about all the stuff that you would assume he would? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think the first thing I responded to is like, he was like me in that, like, I didn't have like interest in, you know, sort of being like, so, you know how we all talk to our neighbors over like water, you know, over this fence while watering plant. Like it was, yeah. it was like, oh, you, you could just be a person. You don't have to talk. Cause I just remember there was like a joke that floated around forever that I think a couple people had versions of. It was like Chicano chickens lay eggs with the chorizo already in them. And it was like, oh, because the Mexican, sure. Um, <laughs> That's really <laughs> funny. So, yeah, it was just refreshing to be. It's like, oh, he, this guy's just talking about how annoying something is. Like, he's, you know, ju- like, and I, I love. That's very Jewish, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they do. I was realizing, like, I appreciate a good rant. And I realized recently, because, um, Alec had posted something on Instagram that was just like, oh, look at these guys singing this cool thing. And I had messaged him. I was like, 
show me how to not hate this. Yeah. And then in that moment, I was like, oh, in the like a typical disgusting display BuzzFeed quiz, I'm Goldie. Like that's in that moment. Right. Yes. <laughs> you were. And I'll tell you exactly what that was. It was, and Goldie, I think I even forwarded it to you at some point. It was like five people sort of surrounding a large guitar singing the beginning of Carry On My Wayward Son by oh, Kansas. Yeah. Yeah, and when awesome. I happen to love the intro to that song, but I sent, I sent it, I put it on my feed. You sent me that message. Tell me not how not to hate this. I'm like, I love it. How do you hate this? And you're like, it gives me, what did you say? Like Christian day camp flashbacks. It was, like strong, it was just like a gaggle of youth pastors. Yeah. Like, this cool thing. We're going to use it to have people think we're cool. And then when they come in, we're going to hit them with the word of Christ. Like it's, uh-huh. like there was something dubious about it. You're, you're, like, you're fun. You're filling in a lot of blanks in that story like that it. we're not there that, that like probably it. only you filled in or maybe a lot of people like you filled that in yeah, maybe. so do, was your let's touch on that for a minute you taught you're sort of getting uh ptsd from the thought of youth pastors so would you say your religious education did not really take root uh correct yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good. that's a good short answer for the congressional <laughs> hearing at what point did it stop taking root was like old enough to realize that it's like hmm so does the priest have to wear Prada shoes or uh, like a different pair on every day but then they're always asking for money oh then, wow yeah uh yeah yeah it just I don't know like at some point too because it's like they do a sermon and then the hum- like it was always then the priest was like okay I'm gonna sit down and then someone get up and like so we'd really like to take a trip to Costa Rica to help the locals like there was something about it that was like a little bit off yeah Um, and then plus they were also it was like you know the catholic that was very it's like well homosexuality is a sin i was like yeah i'm i'm out it's not yeah yeah that's that that's a good uh exit indicator i think i mean listen we don't talk about like that stuff a lot on here but obviously we could have whole series of podcasts on why each religion is garbage in its own way but yeah so i can't imagine i feel having... like it would take less than two minutes <laughs> to <laughs> <You're do right>. <laughs> exhaustively <laughs> yeah that's probably right that was like our idea that we were going to do that football uh podcast right. it was like this team's so... good i like them all right moving on next game uh, all right, so let's flash forward a little bit. You have your San Antonio, your religious upbringing, your you know you're a little different. And then at some point you start to get funny. And wh- what is when does that happen? Like do you you obviously came out to LA at an early age? How young were you when you came out here? Did you have a a set goal in mind when you did? Not really. I um was early 20s when I came out to LA and I kind of at the moment was just like I need to get out of San Antonio because from what I had seen everybody either works at like USAA which is like that insurance company out there um Bank of America and has like a couple kids and like the few interactions I'd witnessed between people I went to high school and their spouses I was like oh and they almost exclusively hate the person they're married to yeah oh yeah none of how early were people getting married there when you were growing up Um, I mean yeah, it was like early 20s. It was a couple that like didn't make it to 20 without getting married. And, you know, it's Texas. Right. <laughs> I mean, is that what your parents wanted for you? I think my mom probably did on some level. But my dad, uh, you know, my dad's an attorney who like put himself like my mom helped him through law school. And he like, you know, paid for stuff by working at like selling men's shoes. Um Amazing. It sounds Al Bundy-ish now when I say it back. 
Right. No, that's yeah, amazing, um, though. You yeah. used to actually be able to make a living doing that. I, I, my I grandfather had a cousin did. who did, who worked in a Jordan Mash and supported <laughs> his kids just, mash. you know, going, these flush hands look great on you. <laughs> my grandfather yeah. was in the shoe, but they were always going to shoe shows. And they were, they would always, they would pull pranks on each other. You know, it was sort of like he'd regale us with tales of putting like an entire fish on somebody's like carburetor, you know, and then closing the hood. So comedy's in your butt. Oh yeah, exactly. The big fish, that's funny. It begins with the letter F. Okay, so you come out to L.A. in your early 20s. You don't really have a plan. Now, I I read uh, in an article about you that... One of uh, your first big break was really being introduced to Jeff Ross. Is that correct? Yes. Um, that is a, a little bit humiliating story, surprisingly for me. <laughs> but yeah, so I had been, I, as I've heard, you know, some of you on this uh, Zoom have uh, failed at stand up. And yeah, yeah. yeah. that's and me. I, Goldie has not conceded defeat yet, but uh, I have failed. Enough. God bless. So yeah, I did that. And I was always a person where people are like, you're a great writer, which is like, you suck on stage. And I did because <laughs> I hadn't figured out my anxiety and it was a whole thing. Um, so I would write for people when they would do like Chelsea lately and just needed like quick sort of, you know, topical jokes. And yeah. one of them got asked to submit for, it was like the burn with Jeff Ross. And um, yeah, I got a meeting on it and this was like my first ever. And in retrospect, the packet was a mess. Like I I just didn't know what I was doing, but he was like, the jokes are funny. I got a meeting. Um, and the night before, I was having a celebratory um, Swanson's turkey pot pie, as one does. <laughs> I was pulling it out of the microwave, and it flipped over on my hand. Yeah. And it was like the pot pie inner. You don't think about it, but the pot pie innards like stick to your knuckles. Oh, it, like, wow. it, I had like second degree burns. And then, oh. of course, it was on my shaking hands hand. And I had a through line to meet with like Jeff Ross and his managers and whoever on the show. And immediately he was like, hi, nice to meet you. And then I pull up this thing that's all bandaged up. I'm like, oh, what happened? And I was like, this was my greatest Swanson's part. Like, I, 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 like power through the story. And they're like, okay, well, shall we? Like in that moment, I was like, I, oh. I'm just going to go ahead and not give myself the job. So Winning. I mean, you didn't say something like, I literally am roasting myself. Or <laughs> oh, no, because in that moment, I couldn't think of anything else right. other than here we are. This is, the, this is the end of my career. Is he'll remember, like, will I, you know, if this goes well, I'll be known as the pot pie girl. If it doesn't, like, maybe I'll... So this was your eight mile. You thought that this was your big opportunity. This was, yeah. <laughs> oh, I wrote lots of rhymes on a bus to get there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah. Well, instead of throwing up spaghetti, you're just splattering chicken. <laughs> on the I also feel like this is the moment where people are like, Swanson's, if you want to sponsor. But, yeah. Yeah. I feel Hello. like 80% of their pies probably wind up like burning people. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. They are a heat bomb. Yeah, no, we can't get we can't get advertising on this podcast to save our lives. So Swanson's, yeah, we, we love try. you. They, they, were, they refused to get in bed with us. I use an M, oh. in bed. Like embed, embed the yeah. Ads. That's a little oh, pun boy. right there. Yeah. Um, all right. So it was embarrassing. Okay. So it was embarrassing. Um, meeting didn't go well, and he was like, "Look, I think you're funny. I'll pass your stuff along to the for the roast." So I was like, "Okay." I was like, "He's, you know, I love Jeff. He's high all the time, so he's probably not going to do that." <clears throat> right. And I was waitressing at I.O. West at the time, which was like the improv theater in Hollywood, and I was very surly, I may add. Um, <laughs> and then I just got a call out of the blue one night when I was working and they're like, 
in the next 48 hours, you need to write three pages of jokes on three different celebrities. Goodbye. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Who are the celebrities? Okay. So they didn't give you any. And I didn't, I was like trying to guess what they wanted. So it's like, okay. At that time it was like 2012 or something. I was like, I did Lindsay Lohan, Kim Kardashian. And then for me, I did Morgan Freeman. Cause I'm like, okay, if I don't, at least I'll have fun writing one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and to this day, I don't know what got me the job, but yeah. Oh. Then after that, I sent them in and then it took a while. And then I finally get a call like a month later from the producer, Joel Gallen. And he was like, Hi, um, he's like, uh, Joel Gallon here. Um, who's your favorite comedian? I was like, Greg Giraldo. And he goes, well, I don't know if you know this. I directed Midlife Vices. I was like, no shit. And he goes, okay, well, the reason I'm calling is I'd like to offer you the job. You still want it. And then that was that. Oh, that's amazing. That's so awesome. Yeah. So you cool. never forget that moment. It's, it's special, you know, however it comes. And it's always some strange story. I, I know for me, it was through my old writing partner, Wellesley, who already had a job on Craig Kilborn and same deal of sending them a pack and then waiting. And I remember my, I, I got the call on my dad's birthday in uh, 1999 that I, I had gotten the job. And I remember calling my grandfather and him yelling like off screen to his elderly wife, like, Helene, Alex, a contract writer at CBS. <laughs> yeah, was like, I had been hired in 1951 suddenly. <laughs> um, but that's such a great moment. And so yeah. now. So did you just at that point put your arms into a searing Mama Celeste pizza to celebrate? or? <laughs> <laughs> I think I actually went and got sushi. I was like, I have to get a celebratory meal. But otherwise, like, and I think someone talked me into it because otherwise I'm a scumbag. What would happen? I'd be like, yep, let's, let's get that mama celebrity. Well, how long from <laughs> arriving to LA to getting that call was there? Uh, six years? Seven? Oh, wow. So you had plenty of time to think about that you had failed. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So what was that like? I hey, mean, look what how, were those six years Goldie, like? Were you, look how were Goldie you, perks up. No, were you feeling <laughs> as though, oh, this is definitely going to happen for me and I'm on my way and it's all paying off? Or are you sort of like bussing drinks around the Improv Olympic thinking you're funnier than everyone on stage, but for some reason you're not going to make it? You know what? I actually hadn't thought that far. Like I was still very, it's like, shit, I don't know. I honestly didn't think that I could be a writer because I, uh, you know, she dumb. I went to a, ADD. Well, no, I went to like Texas State in um, San Marcos, Texas, and their claim to fame, like they used to be called Southwest Texas, but then um, they were in like Maxim Magazine for like top ten party schools, so they rebranded, and they're like Lyndon B. Johnson went here. Ah, uh, <laughs> what an asshole he was! <laughs> if you look up San Marcos, Texas, what, their claim to fame for a while was they had a theme park called Aquarina Springs, and it was like the main attraction was Ralph the Swimming Pig, and you'd get in a class just little pig. Swim. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of pig related activity down in San Antonio. But yeah, I think he, uh, RIP, I do want to say he maybe drowned me like arthritis or something. But oh, God. Yeah, so this is where I come from. This is my educational institution. So I was like, yeah, you had to have gone to, you know, it's like Harvard or and even like NYU something. So it was like, it was just never, I didn't know writing was an option. Yeah. I just like, I liked, you know, I watched a lot of stand up. I liked joke writing. I did stand up. So my, I could see how my jokes did. And then once there was, I was like, oh, I can actually get into writing. Yeah. I did. I think in the meantime, I was like, okay, I'm 
I hadn't admitted defeat because I was like, I don't really know where I'm going to land. I'm like, I'm just going to, you know, see how it goes out here. And then at some point, if it's like nothing's happening, I'll move back to San Antonio and marry someone I hate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're glad you didn't have to do that. I'm a little fascinated because... I feel like I was, as a stand-up, what you said about your stand-up was so relatable to me. I felt like in lieu of actually working on an onstage persona or putting energy and effort into that, I instead fell back into the basically like, I'm going to be like Janine Garofalo and read off my little notebook and I don't care what you think. But of course I didn't. But have that was the... a very nineties persona. Totally like, 90s. That was almost the Ethan Hawke reality bites thing yes. you were doing in your corduroy and your little <laughs> you Phoenix look at you. <laughs> you can't do it. Stop obsessing Just about how with, I look. With these, with these, with these <laughs> kind of like borderline, like pot voice jokes. <laughs> you were that pot voice was legit. It. That was legit. Um, Yes, but I'm picturing you, Vanessa, like on stage. Like, did you ever watch Daria, that show on MTV? A comparison that I've uh, gotten a lot. Okay, there you go. There you go. See that that was instantly brought to mind for for you doing stand up. I'm picturing low energy, funny jokes, (laughs) but you're not you're not giving you're not doing a song and dance up there. No, I wasn't doing a song and dance, but I honestly think like. I just, I hadn't worked through my anxiety. Like I could feel, it's like, okay, if my hand was shaking a little, I'm like, oh, I felt like I was going like this. Yeah. Then by the time I actually got confident on stage, I was working with, I don't know if you ever crossed paths with Jesse Joyce when you guys did. Yep, I know Jesse. Yeah, yeah. so we were working on um, the James Franco roast and he and I were just like in a room writing jokes together and he- dying to go do like a shitty strip mall in Grand Rapids. And in that moment, I was like, I will never love stand up that much. Uh-huh. Oh, my right. God. And I was just like, OK, I'm I'm a writer. I'm just going to stick with this writing thing. And what was the best experience you had doing stand up? Um, I think it was like one of the early it was Hell Yes Fest in Austin. That was fun. But it's weird because mm-hmm. now when you say it, like, I think that's the best it went but in retrospect, what the time I was the most fucking mortified, I think is the like I it makes me laugh now, I see is the best time was when I absolutely fucking bombed my face off at the improv on refried Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just because okay, so it's like I went up, I did jokes, the minute I got on stage, two ladies in front go like like they just hated me on site. Oh, um I did my I job. I got a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of that. Yeah. Like, oh thank God I got the light. So I go off, get like, who cares of an applause? And then the guy, because this was like the old showroom, so you go out this way, and there's a guy, and he's trying to shove a puppet into a suitcase full of boas. Like, he's like struggling. Oh. Up after me, he put himself into a giant balloon to a Mark Anthony song and fucking killed. Like, got his skin operation. <laughs> he had just like, I see his face to this day going like, woof. Um, and yeah, then I just like went to the bar, did a shot of tequila, and like two of the hackiest guys I'd ever seen. It's like you got to dumb it down. Like I just unsolicited advice from just these epic hacks, and um, oh. I hated it at the time. But now I'm just like, yeah, I I can't help but think it's funny. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> a healthy a attitude, and also yes. you ha- you're sort of having the last laugh in that situation, which is yeah. always the best. Well, um, we don't know. Oh yeah, we don't know. Long and this guy could be in a (laughs) could be coming back balloon with Mark Anthony. 
the balloon guy is taking over for Corden. Did you not hear that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so gullible. I was like, he is. Oh, the Corden, <laughs> Corden disaster story. Oh, my God. Um, all right. That sounds hilarious. Uh, so, but I'm curious a little bit about how, how did the writing for the roasts work? Were you guys, you, you sort of described a scene where it sounded like you, you were together. I would imagine that maybe the writers would kind of just go off separately and write their, you know, 40, 50 jokes, submit them and whatever gets on gets on. But did you guys actually sit in a room together and work on these things? Um, at points, like a lot of, and it also depended who was like head writing it or my first one, it was six of us and we would just like, we had windowless offices at Radford and just sit there for 12 hours writing jokes on whoever was booked. So it was like, okay, we have a Jane Lynch and Roseanne and until someone else is booked, you just go in every day and it's like, Jane Lynch and Roseanne, or you'd have these. But moments. you're not going. I'm writing for Whitney Cummings roasting no, Jane Lynch. No, you're no, just no. saying like I'm writing for a, a comic, a generic comic roasting. Yeah, so you Jane stockpile Lynch. jokes, oh. um, and then someone puts them into like a booklet that's like Roseanne fat, Roseanne irritated. <laughs> 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 And then, so when they start to book people or like comics or whoever, I know she's, she's more than fat and irritating guys. Um, um, But so you, then it's like, okay, so then they would have someone and if you're not a comic, then they would say, okay, well, if it's an actor, then their angle, like before I came on, they did like Kate Walsh was on and she was, plays a doctor. So she's prescribing things and that's like sort of her, her vehicle for jokes. So we would start piecing together from like the monologue, first of all, for the host um, or like the intro stuff and then other, you know, non um, comics. And then if the comics would usually write their own stuff, but if they needed like they would need Jeff Ross jokes because he had been roasted so many times, there wasn't like new ways to call him. Right. (laughs) That's encouraging, though, to hear they wrote their own stuff. Yeah. That makes it all feel like less a fraud because. Right. I, you know, I, I enjoyed those roasts and I, I wrote for Seth for the ones he hosted and I always thought it was, it was really fun, Yeah, uh, yeah but I'm, it was only fun to write for one person. I wouldn't have wanted to write for everyone. Yeah. That's right. rough because then some people send it back or I remember. Cause if Kate Walsh is kicking a joke back, I'm not <laughs> reacting well. Yeah. Uh, I remember. So Shaq came in for uh, Bieber and he was like, he wanted all of these like wordy jokes. And it was like, my guy, like you, <laughs> you don't, you can't tell him cause he's gigantic. Um, yeah. So he would pick, they're like, he want, oh, it was also, he wrote his own jokes on note, note cards. And then his manager was like, just, you know, go through them and pick the ones you like. And I just oh. like, you could, oh, no. this one. I mean, that's uh, also, that's a uh, four of us getting drinks with that whole story. Um, <laughs> But so Shaq wanted one that was for Bieber, the, on the Bieber one, and it was like, if you type Justin Bieber into Google, the third result is dead. Now, I don't have a joke for that. I just think it's kind of cool that Google can see five years into the future. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not a thing that he was able to, like, say properly. And so that just sort of went, you know, but he was like, I'm going to, so that joke got held from anyone else, and then he did it. And then, of course, they were like, and that's cut. Uh, oh, no. that's uh, too bad because that's funny yeah it was like that i think we had the most fun writing because you know you write all the hard jokes about appearances yeah. and, stuff, and then after a while the non-jokes and then things that are just devastating facts become like <laughs> the hardest jokes 
Yes. Yes. I did the intros for, I guess it was for Bieber. And one of them, they're like, Ludacris, you have to plug uh, his new album. So it was like, uh, his new album, Ludaverse, will hopefully be his last. Please welcome the most popular rapper of 2001, Ludacris. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow those always feel worse than like calling him like a shitty rapper or actor. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was, there was also, I mean, when you were there, you used to be able to really dig into whatever stereotype you wanted to. And it was sort of viewed as a safe haven for that type of joke. Like, I wonder if now one of the reasons we don't have them is sort of the fun of it was how risque it was and the fact that you knew everyone was getting a pass. But now people wouldn't get a pass, so why would they do it? And you feel like you can't enjoy it because you'll be judged in turn. Do you would you agree with that or disagree? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there's even um, there's jokes that I feel like I couldn't. I mean, mean, most of which that like I yeah now that you know at the time was like oh this was a fun burn yeah or as Goldie as you said I think it in the in our Family Guy room that. You know, if you tell a few jokes like that, then the next thing you know, you're opening for Kyle Rittenhouse. It's like, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's what it is now that you could you could do that kind of stuff very successfully for an audience that you hated who didn't have any ironic distance from it. Like they didn't realize you were just kind of doing it because it's a forum for doing that. But you don't actually think that way. Now they'd right. be like, well, we all think that way. And you're just saying it, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough spot. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax. The way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So that sounds like, uh, as Goldie said, I I mean, that's, that's a a really pure form of writing to when you when you start you you are just writing jokes. You gotta be good to do that. You you have to be a real comedy person. Yes, absolutely. You do. Because that's, that's the thing that it separates, you know, we see it all the time. I'm sure you see it in the different places you've worked. There are so, frankly, some writers who get away with being a writer just because they kind of talk like a writer. And then after a while, you start to think to yourself, like, this person hasn't pitched a real joke. Like, I don't know that I've ever heard them pitch a real joke. And, I call and- them big sweater scolds. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? Wearing just bigger sweaters than you're used to seeing, and they're, yeah. and they're kind of poo-pooing your jokes, and oh, we can yeah. do better. And it's like, well, then do better, yeah. do anything. <laughs> it's like, well, we need to dig in on story, and it's like we're only digging on story because you're not funny. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Oh, oh God. God, yeah. Thank God, at Family Guy's story matters very little. <laughs> That's to all of our advantage. Okay, so you've come out of this sort of, you know, a high altitude training for comedy, let's say, at the, in the roast 
world. Now, does that lead directly to uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine or were, were there stops along the way? How did you make the jump from roasts to, uh, you know, televised half hour? Uh, yeah, that I kind of didn't know. Anything. Like I was like happy to just be like writing jokes and doing these like Comedy Central gigs. Like I did a couple runs on At Midnight and stuff like that. And then my manager uh, told me, he was like, I'm not going to, you know, close this deal on the next roast until you write a sample. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. So I kind of just, uh, it was super joke heavy. Like the story was not there, but it was super joke heavy. And even like the action, like there was just jokes everywhere. Um, and then that's how I got uh, Border Town, which oh. made sense because it was super joke heavy. And uh, yeah, story was not something that was uh, super important. When I was <laughs> <laughs> so so was that a, a spec of something or was it an original? Oh, it was an original. Okay, cool. So cool. you packed your original with jokes and then you get a job on Border Town. And uh, for listeners who don't know, Border Town was created and run by a longtime Family Guy writer, Mark Henteman, who um, I'm so thrilled that you got the chance to work with him because you've experienced Mark. And I'm I'm sad Goldie had to step out to feed his dog oh. for a second. Yeah. But, Goldie. I also, I want to play a sound cue. Ha ha! That's Mark Henteman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's a real laugh of his. And, and uh, that? I love that. And what, what, <laughs> one of the things you might know about Mark is, and did you know this? Did you know he was struck by lightning? Yes. I insist <laughs> that people must, for the record, let it state that it was while holding a Shamu umbrella. Yes, because he was in the parking lot of uh, like Six Flags or SeaWorld in Ohio. But so what what was that? So that's your first experience in a writer's room with kind of a a show creator on a half hour show. Did you feel like you were kind of observing? Did you feel over your head? Did you feel like, oh, I totally get this. I love it. Um, I think all of those at different times. I think first I thought it was observing, but then also the staff was super bottom heavy. So it was like, okay, you just gotta, you know, if you're not jumping in and pitching, then it's just like Alex Carter not being able to take a sip of water. Cause you know, it's just sort of. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love that. We're getting all the references now. Yeah, so for just... our fans, Alex Carter is another <laughs> long time family, family guy writer. Guy writer. <laughs> um, very funny guy, but yeah, is he, is because he couldn't sip water because of his carpal tunnels or what? No, no, that was something. But I mean, he's just like pitching his, I, he was just like pitching a lot, like trying to fit, you know, because he was the number two. Yeah. And I think it was like bottom heavy. And so a lot of people were new and it was like. Oh, know, is that what bottom heavy? Yeah, means? you have to. Yeah, you have to. I mean, I experienced this the first time I was running, both times I was running a show, but I was startled by it the first time, which was that if no one is talking I should probably be talking to facilitate more talking. But then when that doesn't work, you've already started talking and you have to keep talking. And I honestly think this is why 50% of people get in trouble for saying the wrong thing. It's not that they're bad people. It's that they have to talk so much. They eventually say really stupid shit that they probably normally wouldn't even say. But it's a sheer quantity of brain emptying that then uh, in, they indict themselves. Yeah, I believe yeah. that. I believe that makes that. sense. Yeah. I believe that. So talk it, for a day without saying anything you shouldn't have said. No, for it's a whole day. It's impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> no, I, and wait, it's, can you guys explain what bottom heavy means for those who don't know what that means? Yeah, go ahead, Vanessa. 
So it just meant, um, you know, the staff was mostly uh, lower level. So it was like younger, less experienced writers. Like ours, I believe half the staff were staff writers. So, you know, not as competent pitching or, you know, somewhere like on the quieter side. And I think that's like, like Goldie was saying, it's like you just sort of have, uh, you know, especially when you split up into two rooms and it's like Alex and then a bunch of staff writers, then it's just like, you know, he, that person has to do all the talking. Well, after doing the roast, were you frustrated by the pace of that? Um, kind of. I mean, I think it was also kind of refreshing because the roast was like, Every day I was like, okay, hurry up. You know, you were just like cranking stuff out. And it was also one day they're like, okay, someone talk to Ice-T's agent. He might do it. Write a bunch of Ice-T jokes. And then the next day they're like, he's for sure not doing it. You wasted your time. <laughs> right. Like, nice to just sort of be like, okay, like let's uh, figure out where, like now it does drive me. Like when I was running my show, I was like, okay, I need to know where we're going. Like I right. need to map out. It's like, we're, you know, starting here and then where we're going and then filling in midpoints because all of this like sort of, you know, blue skying to yeah. makes me crazy. Well, I could have helped there. Let's say open on exterior blockbuster. Is that, is that konna started? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Okay. You're hired. All right. Mm, good. I, I would go you would ex- be awesome. <laughs> exterior parking lot. I would not reveal the blockbuster. Oh, okay. See, look at this. We, we got a conversation exterior started. We got lot. it started. We see a large pet smart. <laughs> <laughs> pet stupid. Goldie would have been. <laughs> um, so, okay. So you, not only did you have, this is your first uh, half hour experience with the uh, talented Mark Henteman, um, but you also had a, a, an experience that we've all had of a show that didn't go. Yeah. And was, what was that? Did you feel like when that was coming to an end, like, were you hopeless or were you like, oh, I know I can do this now. Let's get another. Um, it was more of like, yeah, I guess that's how it goes. I also, this was my first time doing animation and it just like, cause they, some of us stayed on again, cause it was lower level heavy, um, through animatics and color. So we'd been through that whole process. Um, and when it ended, I honestly just went back to admin, like at midnight, it kind of felt like, well, the comedy central door is always open. Right. So I wasn't like huh. as freaked out. And then I went back there. And then when I was on at midnight again is when I got, um, Superstore. Okay. So did I, did I fuck up Brooklyn Nine-Nine or did you come back for the reboot and it was later? Uh, It was later. I came, I think it was like one year after they moved to NBC. I came on season six. Yeah. Okay. I got you. All right. So I had that out of order. All right. So Superstore um, was on NBC and, and NBC, while, you know, people love to kind of joke around about how shitty network TV is doing. And that's certainly true. NBC felt like at least they tried to push things like they would really try to flex what little muscle they had, you know, left over from their nineties, early two thousands heyday to say like, Hey, we're still the special comedy place and come check this out was so superstore lasted, I believe, was it three seasons, three or no. four? Seasons? No, I, I left after season three. Okay. He did six. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. I didn't know it was that long. <laughs> Well, yeah. I knew your run was three. There you um, go. <laughs> but did, did you uh, did you have a good time with the team there? I know we knew a couple of those writers, uh, Bridget and Vicky. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, they're sweet. I like them. Yeah. No, I honestly, um, Superstore is where I learned story. Because I think it's like I sort of came oh, cool. out of, 
I came out of Border Town and then went back to sort of more joke writing, Comedy Central stuff. And then season one, I was, I think, having that moment of like being lost again because it wasn't bottom heavy. And it was like kind of feeling like, okay, my brain hasn't quite like the pieces haven't fit together watching like the cards on the board and all of that. Um, but somewhere midway through, like maybe towards the end of season two, I was like, oh, okay, this is what we're all leading up to, you know, the act breaks and everything fell into place. And then by season three, it like really clicked. Yeah. Uh, and did you good. enjoy what finally getting to see the actors do it? Sometimes. <laughs> there she is. There's that, that awesome. onstage persona. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just okay. So truth. I think you and I are a lot alike. Yeah. I'm starting so. to get that. Start. <laughs> um, so, okay. Three seasons on Superstore. And then is Brooklyn Nine-Nine next? Uh, no. Oh, this is, is okay. So this, I'm just messing with you at this point because research, uh, cause then I left Superstore and then the following week I started on crashing on HBO and then oh. I started on Big Mouth and I was doing three days a week on crashing to a Big Mouth, like an insane person. Wow. That's well, those really are incredible. two great shows. Like I Shit. loved crashing. I, I feel like yeah. cr- crashing, uh, did, does, did not get, um, the attention that it deserved. And I think, Part of it, and we've talked about this on the show, we've had Pete Holmes on, um, and uh, most shows or movies about stand-up, if you've ever done stand-up, seem like total bullshit. You know, they just don't seem even close to what stand-up was like, whereas Crashing felt the closest, uh, you know, to to what actual stand-up is like. Um, Was that a fun experience for you? Did you get to like delve into your stand-up nightmares um, or did, were there specific marching orders and it's like, we're writing this today? Um, we, I mean, because Pete was in the room and it was his, like based on his stuff, like I think a lot of it came from him. Um, but we would, you know, write some of the stand-up for, you know, when you would see some of the other characters. But for me, Crashing was probably my favorite thing I worked on solely for, um, you know, we shot at the cellar, which I just knew like what that meant. And, uh, and I would hang out there at night and like the guy at the door would, you know, a Colin Quinn would pull up a seat at the table. Like, and I got to, in between scenes, like talk to Colin a lot. And he would tell me, tell me old Geraldo stories. And it was like my sort of like stand up as a kid, like dream of, you know, I um, had done the Oscars with Rich Boz and met his wife, you know, Bonnie McFarlane, who I loved. And, still do even though she refers to me as her assistant (laughs) but yeah like it was just sort of my like seat you know so you were living in new york but big mouth wasn't in new york okay no so this was i went to new york for shooting for three months i lived in a um a hotel like a fancy child that it's actually pretty depressing if you do for three months and it rains every day yeah (laughs) i was doing when we were writing so that can be intoxicating, though, to feel like you're so in demand, isn't it? Where it's like, I, they need me on this show. And then you can play them off against each other for the stuff <laughs> you don't want to do. Like you could go, I'm sorry, there's a big mouth record. I have to be there if they, you want to get out of the crashing room. And then you're at big mouth. It's boring. And you go, you know, uh, you, Rich Voss is coming in tonight. They need some stand up for him. It's an emergency. I mean, do you traffic in that or were you? No, I, I wish I had the self-esteem for that. I think as a kid was like picked last in like everything athletic and not like I was very much of like oh okay you know it's like uh, yeah I'll, I'll go over here it's like they want you know I just wanted people to like me you were wanted yes. that's always yeah. nice so crashing big mouth mm-hmm. um 
Now, were you in, the, did you get to be in the big mouth room for your days? Uh, or was that at this point, this is before the pandemic, correct? Yes. Yeah, okay. I was in, um, yeah, I was in the room. I would only come in like twice a week. Nick Kroll is one of those guys who can just, who just makes me laugh at the sight of him. Like Funny. he just, I'm, I'm already laughing when I, uh, when I see him, although history of the world part two is putting that to the test. Uh, I'll just say <laughs> off the record, we can cut that. Um, <laughs> so that's a great two job experience. And now I'm kind of to the point where I don't even give a shit about Brooklyn nine, nine anymore. I don't think you even work there. I don't care if you did or when it was, but just humor me. Was that next? Uh, yes. That okay, actually yes. Next. Wow. Well done. Congratulations. Yeah. So that's an that's a different kind of experience too, because then you're coming in on like a going concern. Like it's a show that has, you know, has a level of popularity. And did that feel different for you, stepping into something that was, you know, already like we got it. We know how this is supposed to be. Oh yeah. Cause I think it was like mm. it took a couple months for me to just be okay with hearing, yeah, we actually uh someone had pitched that episode, you know, season four for this thing. And we put we tried to break a version of that and just being like, Yep, yeah, because they had I mean, I can't imagine someone going into Family Guy with as many episodes I was just as you thinking. guys did. No it happened yesterday. It happens all uh. in, in fact, yeah. we we aired a new episode that Seth called me and he's like, You realize we've done that? And I'm like, Really? <laughs> And he's like, yeah, we did a whole castaway episode, like 15. I'm like, oh, geez, we really got to start figuring this out. Um, but yeah, it, it is a different kind of world there. Now, I also want to talk about uh, when we've had uh, Morgan Murphy on here before. She's done very well in the in the writing world. And as as have you, what, what do you think of yourself like, oh, I'm a, I'm a woman writer and that's I'm sort of you know, at the tip of the spear right now? Or have you just felt like I'm me, I have my unique point of view and people just kind of take it or leave it? Like, I know I know this is like sort of a, it's been a hot button issue for a while because there were never enough women in comedy writing, but it seems like you've experienced a high level of success. So is there is there any secret to it? Did you ever get frustrated by the whole process or has it been pretty good for you? Early on, I even when I was like doing stand up and stuff, it was very, you know, I'd be at clubs or something and someone be like, hey, there's a lady around, like I'm delicate, you know. Yeah. So I think mm -hmm. I would feel like people thought of me as like, um, you know, a lady writer. And I just sort of was like, okay, I'm just going to keep my head down and do the work. Because I also think that there's assumptions made too, as like a woman of color, that it's like, okay, well, that's why you get this opportunity. That's why this. And I'm like, I can't control any of that. So right. I'm just True, yeah. Write my stuff let my work speak for itself. Well, uh, I, I know that people who have worked with you all say great things about you, which is really the, the ultimate compliment. And I think Goldie will back that up that when, when we have worked with people and then they have nice things to say about working with us, like that's, that's the, as good as it gets. And I know that people speak glowingly about you. So don't spend another minute worrying. I'm sure I just cured all your anxiety. It's all gone you. now. Yeah. I'm, it's great now. <laughs> awesome um, yeah so I think at first like I was very worried about it and then I was like okay I can control what I can control and then and, um I don't know I kind of put it I did this panel years ago and I'm just kind of the way I've always wanted to think about it especially as like a joke writer because it was less women you know when I started 
was like that scene in a league of their own when like Tom Hanks offers Gina Davis the chew. And it's just like, she's not a lady ball player. She's a ball player. She's an equal, like that's all I've ever sort of wanted out of those joke writing rooms. Oh, that's very well Mm -hmm. said. A good comp. Um, Well, Vanessa, you have been so generous with your time. We appreciate it. It is great talking to you and we wish you all the continued success. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. This was fun. I miss you yeah. guys already. Some more. Than- <laughs> Thanks for coming. Come back when great. you something makes you angry and you want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. well, honestly, I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boy. Oh, it, that was great. What a fun interview. She yeah. was great to talk to. Um, but now let's get into a portion of the show we like to call Top Five. Top Five. Oh, so soothing. Take us away, us. Um, All right. So the top five this week, it was my category. Top five action movies of the 1980s. This is is my wheelhouse. This is growing up here. So I'm just going to dive right in. At number five, I have RoboCop. Boy, was RoboCop a fun movie and tons of action. I've never seen it. You what? I know. I don't know. Oh, I don't know how it escaped. Stop I'm... the record right now. Go watch it. <laughs> At RoboCop. Is... Does it still hold up? Oh, yeah. Yes. It's a wow. very fun movie. Really okay. fun. Great 80s action. A lot of... Why it, would it's you make the robot a cop first? <laughs> it's like, what? wouldn't you try a robot fireman? Just something where it doesn't have guns? <laughs> Robo... It's because RoboCop sounds way better than Robo Fireman. Uh, number four... I have, and this is a, this movie is actually better than your run of the mill action movie. There, there's a lot to this movie. First Blood, the oh, very first Rambo? Uh, Rambo movie. Now, yeah. now Rambo Two, which came out a little later, was more of a traditional '80s action movie with lots of you know shoot 'em up moments. But First Blood, the first one, is a really great kind of psychological story. But it is also an action movie, so. Number three, oh, Predator. <laughs> yes. Predator so was so good. Um, and by the way, two future governors in Predator. Let's just shout it out for oh, that. Weird. How cool is that? That is weird. And that scene where it, there's nothing more 80s than that scene where all, like, all five of them are in a row just shooting up the jungle. <laughs> all they're doing is blowing <laughs> away trees with giant guns. That's, that's the 80s in a nutshell. Uh, number two, some might have thought this was number one. Number two is Die Hard. Die. What a great movie. Nothing yes. more needs to be said about this. A Christmas no- movie. Christmas movie. <laughs> number one, this is probably my favorite movie of all time, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Boom. Oh, wow. We got overlap. That's list. my yeah. list. Uh, JC, I think, are, are you? I'm next week. So You're I'm next last. week. Okay, so Goldie is next. Okay. Uh, number five. I am going to go with Full Metal Jacket. Ooh. Ooh awesome. Wow. Okay, that's a great that's choice. Great, that's a great yeah. movie. Damn. Uh, number four, I am going to go with Top Gun. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Which is, yeah. because of the sequel, I think, increased in stature. That's yeah. true. And the uh, soundtrack. Number three. Ooh. The Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Which means that here's the here's the draft picks that slipped through that you didn't have. Uh oh. Number two, 
Roadhouse. <laughs> That's a good choice. It's a very good movie. And it, and it imparts the timely lesson that it's worth it even if several people have to die to save a shitty dive bar. <laughs> I just remember when he's That's getting That's the it. moral. He, he, that's true, right? A few pe- <laughs> we gotta we gotta break a few eggs to make this omelet. <laughs> yeah, but but there was also that moment in one of the final fight when he's fighting that guy where the guy says, "I used to fuck guys like you in prison." <laughs> like, and it was supposed to be a tough line. I'm like, wait a minute, what just happened here? <laughs> it's also a, a Family Guy writer, Artie Johan, always points this out that at the end of the movie he has sex in the same pond where he killed a guy (laughs) and it wasn't that much time in between (laughs) he was able to put it behind him (laughs) yeah so uh number one and i think you'll probably dispute the genre on this but it is an action movie in my mind naked gun oh wow oh I see a thumbs yeah, down. Not an like, action movie. Oh no! Well, I say it is. It's a comedy detective movie. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so aside from number one, yeah. great list. That's, that is a great list. Okay, so my number five, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, is my number five. Sure. Um, number four, um, I love this movie. Not everybody loves this movie. Blade Runner. This is oh, that's great. One but you're, of my you're, top you're going sci-fi. But, yeah, but oh yeah, that's true. But it's okay. I, I yeah. love Blade Runner. It's yeah, fantastic. That's if like if one I had known we could just pick any movie, I might have picked Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> it's an action or movie, isn't it? Remember when Daryl Hannah does the you know the flips and kicks and there's yeah, some good there, fights. There's some, some flips. Fights. There are some good flips. You're right. <laughs> Number three. Terminator. Oh, I thought you were going to say Terms of Endearment. Because <laughs> any movie can go in. <laughs> yes, Terminator is excellent. An yes, excellent yes. sci-fi movie, Terminator. <laughs> that's, not, that's an action movie, isn't it? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> number two, Raiders of the Lost Ark. There you go, and we've arrived. <laughs> and my number one, you're going to also be, is... Aliens. That's good. Aliens <laughs> qualifies. Okay, I, 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 I believe in aliens. All right. Partially okay. good lists. <laughs> okay. My uh, top five for next week is top five baselines. Oh, yeah. This feels, I feel some stew influence here. <laughs> well, I'm yeah. also a bass player. So I was thinking, you know, it's music and I know it's kind of annoying, but I feel like we talk about bass lines a lot. Like, I, yeah, yeah, I've been going back and listening to old episodes and even Goldie referenced a bass line to a song and that's what made me think about it. Oh, Goldie, yeah. this is your fault. You hear that? <laughs> I don't remember ever talking about bass lines <laughs> Yeah, you, you do. We, there was a whole decade where you couldn't <laughs> stop talking about bass lines. <laughs> it was... It was an episode that we we actually didn't air. I might cut this part out, but we did. It was Ooh. one episode we didn't air, and I was going through to see if I could find a clip. Was that, that when Goldie and I talked about sitting courtside at, on the baseline? Oh no! <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Come on. It, it was the episode about partners. Oh, partners. Partners. Right, right, right. All right. Well, that sounds like a fun one for next week. Uh, <laughs> and now let's end the show like we always do on a high note. Thank you very much. Um, I want to shoot out my high note, uh, which is on Friday night, last Friday night, 
our friend John Viner, who's not asked to be a part of this podcast, uh, took me to see uh, Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks at SoFi. I had never been there. And boy, they both sounded great. They their, their voices were both excellent. Yeah. And uh, one thing I love, well, one of the things I love most in life is my radio station on Cape Cod. And this was like I was listening to that station because every song was like, yep, this one, radio, great, love it, love it. There was a very funny detail that I have to add, which is, so Stevie Nicks opened and Billy Joel came out on stage to perform Stop Dragging My Heart Around with her. And then later in the show, uh, Stevie Nicks came back out and performed a song with Billy Joel. Both times after they were done singing, Billy Joel went in for an aggressive hug and kiss, <laughs> which Stevie Nicks wanted no part of. Wow. You, you could just watch her, the placement of her hands in front of her to kind of just hold him at bay. And I could only, I, all I could think of was Stevie Nicks is probably saying to herself, how the fuck am I opening for this dork? Because like, <laughs> listen, I love Billy Joel and uh, I think he's awesome and one of the great songwriters of all time. But I think that Fleetwood Mac was cool and Billy Joel was not. And right. they kind of came out around the same time. So I think Stevie Nicks, you know, may have slept with everybody in rock and roll, but not Billy Joel. <laughs> and not <laughs> Billy. now, certainly. <laughs> yeah, not now, Billy Joel. <laughs> anyway, that was a very fun night. Thank you, John yeah. Viner. Oh, that sounds nice. Um, I'll go. My high note was everything, everywhere, all at once, just sweeping. I mean, I had texted you, Alec, that like yeah. I, every time it won, I would just start quietly <laughs> sobbing just for me to, to see, you know, it's a conversation that's always being had, but seeing the representation, yep. thinking about if this was, if I was a kid at this time and this was happening, I'm getting like choked up thinking oh. about it now, but like, it was something that I needed to see as a kid. So I think it's amazing that this generation gets to see it now. Yes. Yeah. And as we talked about, you know, uh, you guys stepped right on Angela Bassett's head <laughs> to get what you want. Oh my God. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, <laughs> well, this is going to make my high note seem all the more poignant. Um, I finally found the right pillow. Yeah. Are you serious? That's huge, you need to by the way. Share the information. That's huge. So I don't mean the sleeping pillow. I mean the pillow when you're in bed and you're reading, you're watching TV. It's yes. a U-shaped pillow called a Yogibo. Oh, and it's wait, the I've heard perfect of this. height. How do you spell it? For a Yogi-bo? life of laziness. Yogi. <laughs> Yogi. Like the bear, bow, yeah. B-O. And I'll tell you, my sloth-like behavior has become even more comfortable. <laughs> yeah. To the Yogibo. This is not sponsored content. No. Not God yet. forbid we should no have No one will that. touch us. I know. No. I, know. We're, I haven't even heard ads lately. I know. There's, they've stopped embedding. I know. I know. Uh, all right. Well, those are great high notes. Uh, and what a fun show. Thank you, Vanessa Ramos. And again, yeah, next week you. we'll That's have great. Sean Clements, which should be exciting. So thank you all for listening. Thank you two for being awesome. And we thank will you. talk to you again next week. That was fun. And it's 
stops right now.